0: Hello, I'm Andrew Galloway.
1: And I'm Bruce Greenaway.
0: And you're listening to Talking Blues.
2: Well done. Like, like, like you're on radio or something.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: your names, Ryan.
0: Yes, <laughs> Galloway and Greenaway. We would be, be a good in company, you know? We could be an advertising agency <laughs> or something. <laughs>
2: So, we're going to do something different today. We're going to talk to Andrew and Bruce about Electrify the last five years. Um, we, we, I think my, my first interview with you was actually six years ago, I think. And it was episode one, and you, we talked about how you got into the record business and some of the artists you worked with. And then you were going to celebrate your 20th, 20th anniversary, and then time flew by the pandemic came and, and now
0: and yet here we are here, <laughs> here we, we're still standing here we are yes I'm a longtime uh, friend of the show and uh, a regular listener and yeah that's that's correct and now here another five years has flown by and interesting it's, five years uh, yeah yes definitely between you know the pandemic and changes worldwide and pick your topic but the blues god love it still rambles on <laughs>
2: Okay, so last time we spoke, you were talking about the influence of the digital media and how Spotify and things, uh, streaming was coming into into the forefront and CD sales were going down. Yes. But you're still going ahead with putting out CDs. Since then, things have changed even more.
0: Yes, the digital tidal wave is has arrived, and, uh, you know, it's not all bad. I don't see it as a negative thing. Personally, I I like uh, physical objects for music. I mean, like a lot of us, I start out listening to vinyl records and still enjoy that format, but, you know, um, I get the convenience factor of uh, digital, you know, the Spotify's of the world and Amazon and things. Um, But I also still like to think there's some especially for touring acts, and, you know, I have a couple of acts that still tour. Mark Hummel still tours on a regular basis, and I always think of those guys being able to sell a CD at the end of the night, at the end of their gig, and the money goes into the van to get them to the next uh, gig, or it, you know, goes to uh, paying the motel tab, and uh, you you hate to see any kind of revenue source uh, dry up for anybody in music.
2: But there was a time when CD sales were going down quite a bit, and you thought, or well, you'd made a decision to slow down the production and, and limit the releases that you were going to do every, every year. Right. Now this year, you seem to be getting busier, and you've also talked about the CD coming back a bit. Can you talk to that a little bit?
0: I think it has come back a little bit. I mean, I think it's kind of, uh, it, it's not what it was, but what is these days. But there's still people that, you know, um, like to buy a physical object, like to have a CD. There's still people like myself who drive old wrecks around that have a CD player in them. And you can listen to a, it's a good opportunity to listen to a lot of music driving around doing your errands or whatever. Um, And, you know, the digital thing, it's the payment aspect of it is good because it often was in the old days when when there was just physical CDs and LPs, you would have a distributor and, you know, they have to wait until the stores pay them. And that can take a while. And then you're kind of at the end of the line to get paid. So you'd have to make a phone call or, or talk to them and then. Lo and behold, you know, uh, they're honorable people. They'll pay you as soon as they get paid, but it might take a while. But a check would arrive, and it would be pretty good, and you'd go, great, they're great. I got paid. But you would also know the downside of it was it was feast or famine. Sure, you got paid, and it was a decent amount, and you could pay your bills, but you knew you weren't going to get another check that size the next month. So whereas with the digital world, the income is far less, but you know you're going to get payment on the 23rd of every month you know so you've got a bit of reliable cash flow which helps you if you want to green light a new project you kind of know that x amount of dollars would be available to do that
2: can i ask percentage wise how it breaks up between the two
0: uh right now it's uh it's i i would say i would say 80 percent of the income is from digital sources uh-huh. and about, yeah, that's something that's, you know, you were asking about the last five years. That's something that's really, it's, it's almost switched the other way, you know? And, uh, so, so there's that, that aspect of it there. Um, but there still is, uh, it's funny. I just, the, the, U uh, S distribution company I had for the last 22 years kind of merged with this larger company called Amped and they're the largest physical, distribution company uh, in the U.S. now and uh, that's kind of really helped uh, you know it's they're able to uh, reach the stores that still exist and so that's actually boosted sales up a little bit uh, wow. CD-wise because all the smaller individual um, distributors they used to have like a person for almost every state in the union that would go around to the stores and be in, in, in contact and near the end they would only have like one or two people that would like do the whole country so naturally that's going to impact sales as well so so it, it's interesting to watch uh how it's shaking down and how it's where it's going and how it's uh, and I think a lot of people that make cds now they, they don't even think they're going to get paid you know there's no uh anticipation of it being paid whereas the old days, when I started, a lot of the artists I worked with, you know, elderly African-American artists from the post-war generation, it was kind of like, well, how much are you going to pay me to make the record? And then you'd come to an agreement on that, and then, you know, the record would get made, and and everybody would be happy, and that was kind of the thing. Now it's kind of people are just going to make, you know, making the record, getting their music out, is more important than the compensation for it. well it's not it's not more important but it's not the deciding factor anymore you know
2: And so why do they do it?
0: I, I think that's a great question but I think that's it's like a calling card. It's like here's our band, here's who we are here's what we sound like and uh, you know here's our CD which can have great artwork and a, a good picture of the band it, it's really it's a promotional tool someone someone said and I agree, The CD is the new tour poster. And I thought, that's great if you're touring, but if you're not, it's kind of like, you know...
2: But there was a time when people would put out new products so that they can have... um Send it to festivals and get yes, more gigs. Yep, yes. is that still the way?
0: Yes, I, I think that still lives on a little bit because uh, it, it is a good way to get a festival booking. And you can also, if you're looking at places where you still might be able to sell some D- CDs, a festival is a good spot for that because it's a nice sunny day and you, you might have a couple thousand people there and you put on a good set. And, uh, you know, you can still sell some, some product there. So...
2: So a few years ago, you decided to slow things down a bit. Yes. Was that, I can't remember because time just flies by and I have no memory. Was that pandemic related or was it before the pandemic?
0: It was a little bit pandemic related because nobody was touring then. And it was just harder to get into a studio and just get, you know, different people together to play was was a real uh, tough thing. And I found I missed it more. At first I was like, oh, thank God, I've got a break here. And I could enjoy some things and, you know, and take a little bit of a breather. Um, but then I found out, I was surprised how much I missed it. So I had a few things planned, uh, ready to go with, you know, Harrison Kennedy's an artist who likes to work and always has a bunch of songs and likes to record. And, you know, so I, I, I was kind of really enjoying getting back into it. So, and we'll have three releases this year so. Okay, tell me about the three well before you tell me about the three releases tell me about
2: coming the thinking of coming back what what what's different about coming back now
0: well the thinking was what is it I do for a living exactly <laughs> oh yeah I remember no no I I, I missed it I, I've been that's the one thing I, I've always you know I've been able to carve out a small modest Canadian living over the last 25 years from it which I'm proud of but it's the whole thing right from day one was like, wow, here's here's an artist who I think is really has something to say. And let's record them. Let's share this music. Let's get this music out with the world. And and I also now with the passage of time, I think about guys like, you know, Mel Brown and Curly Bridges and and, you know, Sicky Pryor, a, a lot of artists I was super lucky to work with that are no longer with us. And I think maybe not so much in Snooky's case or Mel because people knew how good they were, but a guy like Curly Bridges, he was great. And, and he never would have back in the day made his own recording because people just didn't do that in those days. But the fact that there's like three uh, CDs out there uh, and all, on all digital platforms as well, That just show how good this guy was, what a good singer he was, and what an excellent keyboard guy he was, and how he could lead a band. So, I still get a kick out of that, you know. I wasn't thinking at the time that so much, but looking back on it, I'm thinking, wow, that's great that that there's literally a record of how good this guy or or that gal or you know. it's with a number of people, but I think it really is a record is a record of, of what someone sounded like and what they could perform and what their music sounded like, you know.
2: Do you approach things differently this time around?
0: Yeah, soon it'll be me that won't be around and <laughs> there's no, there'll be no record of that but but uh, no, I, we, we, we kind of work the same way. What's changed is it used to be in the early days. When I was working with uh, a lot of African-Canadian African-American artists we would record like with Alec Fraser who had a great liquid studio and a a couple of places we worked at um we would come in and and you know record and that would be it now a lot of younger artists guys like Mark Hommel and even James Harmon you know who's who I had the fortune fortunate enough to put two albums out with they do the work. They record it, you know, because a lot of them live in the States as well. They'll record it and then you'll release it. Like, they'll, you know, send it to you as a finished, mastered recording. So, that's a little different, you know.
2: But do you have different expectations from releasing an album, a CD now?
0: A little more realistic, maybe, because there's not the touring there. Well, I'll tell you a brief story is in, uh, 2000, I was lucky enough to go over to Europe with uh, Willie Smith and Pinetop Perkins and Mel Brown and Snooky Pryor. And uh, I took 600 CDs that I shoved in this big travel case on wheels. And it was like a, it was a two week tour. And I thought, great, man, if I can sell half of these, you know, that'll be fantastic. That'll pay for my trip over here and the guys will make some money and it'll be great. We sold all 600 the first night we, we did a thing at the cognac blues festival and it was like on their main stage and of course those guys went over like a bomb you know people loved it and uh so we sold them all in one night so so those days are most definitely gone you know but now you know you could have a good artist and you look at like you could have actually it's like likes and listens you know unfortunately there's not the same kind of money attached to them which for someone trying to make a living, be it the artist or whoever, uh, that's a tougher thing. But it's, it's still all about getting somebody's music out to people who haven't heard it or people who have heard it and want to hear more.
2: So with us also is my good friend Bruce. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? <laughs> Bruce has done a lot of artwork for Electrified. How does that come
0: about? I have no idea. Bruce, how did that come about? I don't know, man. No, Bruce Bruce is, uh, well, you know, we're all friends. And uh, Bruce has great talent as a designer, photographer, print media expert. You know, that's just the good stuff. We won't talk about the other stuff. And he kindly, you know, we worked on a couple of Projects going, going.
1: We worked on a project before we even knew each other.
0: Yes, that's right. That's right. We're talking about a Morgan Davis that blues medicine yes. record. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. That is cool when you think about it,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I worked on that with Morgan, and you were the record company. I didn't know who you were. I thought you were as huge. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm glad I fooled one person. Thank you. I, and I
1: think you thought I was somebody. Yeah, and really I, I it was thought you like were some design
0: conglomerate. Like, you'd be some guy with a pipe, you know, on, on the 42nd floor somewhere.
1: And sure enough, years later after we met, it's like, hey, you're the guy. Yeah, yeah. You're that guy. <laughs> hey, man. What,
2: was that the first Morgan album?
1: Uh, new uh, no, I, I did work on one before, but I think it was on Stony Plain, I think. That's right. That's I right. Know, I don't know who put it in. The
0: first one on Electrify was. The do. first one on Electrify was, yeah. Was, it was, yeah. Blues Medicine, yeah. Yeah.
2: So how did you get into doing albums?
1: Um, well, I'm a graphic artist,
2: you know, and,
1: uh, you know, I'm a fan of music. And back then, you know, you're kind of you think if you can do a record cover. That's oh, yeah. Like, I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. It's so cool. Yes. <laughs> and. I think I used to hang out a lot down in Grossman's and Crooks and all those places and see a lot of bands. And eventually I got to know Morgan just because I'd go watch that guy because he seemed a little different. I liked the way he played. He was just, the guy was kind of...
0: Still is, man. Yeah, still <laughs> <He> is. <laughs> yeah. You're right.
1: And, uh, so, and then we just over time became friends. And then he was putting out a record and I was just getting out of college, I think, at the time. And he said, hey, can you do my record cover And I'm like... Yeah, I can.
2: <laughs> That's the way it started.
1: That's the way it started, but and I didn't even know how to do a record. I didn't know any. I just said yeah because I just thought this was going to be awesome, and it was a big scary experience, you know. Because we put out at the time it was a rec- an LP, right, and a cassette, and the new thing was the CD. Nobody knew anything about a right. CD. How do right. you put that together? What is it? Who knew? And yeah, so we had to tackle that problem and I'm new to the business and oh, it was a nightmare, but it all worked out <laughs> <Yeah. And
0: laughs> no, it, it worked out great. So you you're did. basically
2: working on three different things. Yeah, yeah in the beginning.
0: For a short period of time yeah yeah, there
1: yeah. was a real there was a crossover yeah. right there where you had all three things. I mean if, if the were eight tracks were still going, that would have been in there too, but they were gone.
0: And why was it a nightmare?
1: Because I was fresh out of college, so I didn't really know what i do, and I, I didn't have production connections, anything like that. So I was just winging it. I was just calling in favors and asking people, and why do I do this? Where do I go for that?
0: And well, you're a quick learner, man. So,
1: yeah. So know. we did it, you know. We got through it, and we put it out. And
2: uh, Which album was it? What was it called? I
1: think it was his first. It wasn't the... He put out a record back in the 80s. I'm ready to play. That's the one with uh, "Why'd You Lie" on it. Right, that, that was an independent, yeah. I think. Yeah. Bowhead, his record label. Bowhead, yeah, his own label. That's right. And then st- I think Stony Plain had picked him up for his. R- I think he did two with Stony Plain. I think or. or two. Um, I can't remember. I don't yeah. know. I think I a only couple. did one that had a Stony Plain label
0: on it. Um.
1: Yeah, no, it's man. You're going back like yeah i know we're going that's decades like, back, back man. well
0: i first met morgan in 1974 73 when he was playing with uh, uh a chicago blues uh legend uh and and then i saw him again at the brunswick house in the 80s yeah and he had his pompadour and his crushed velvet smoking <laughs> jacket and playing his slide guitar it, it was great so to actually end up working with someone that you know you knew way back is yeah it's kind of cool because, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no bruce has great skills as a designer because my friend gary Culver's also helped me a lot in terms of design he's the guy that asked me when we did our first album he goes do you have a designer and i was kind of like what's a designer <laughs> and and you know and but you're, you're fortune that you know the good thing as a record label is you can get talented people like like Bruce and Gary and that, because they enjoy it. I I had one guy uh, who was a really talented designer, and I said, hey, thanks, like, that's great. And uh, he did a fantastic design. He goes, no, thank you, because he worked at some high-powered advertising agency making the big bucks. And he said, doing this CD design, it reminded me why I wanted to be a designer in the first place, so. Yeah, so, the real work is so much. In other cool words, work. we don't pay much money, but <laughs> the artistic creativity is, is endless.
2: <laughs> so you, you did Morgan's, one of Morgan's albums, and you did many of Morgan's albums since then.
1: Yeah, it just didn't stop after that. Every one he did was, you know, here's, yeah. the, here's the next one. <laughs> okay.
2: So what's the process when, when somebody says, can you do my my album? What happens?
1: <sighs> oh, man
0: any number of things
1: yeah I mean I think it, each one is different and each artist is different and they each approach a cover design differently some are right into it and some of them just want to see a finished product and fewer kind of in between and so it just really depends on who it is budgets are always concern. I don't really charge that much because i'm a fan and i like to do it but you know you still got to keep the lights on so there has sure. to be some money sure so we usually talk about the money that's involved first and work within a budget and you know what else do they have to bring do we have to do photos do they have photos and
0: what's realistic i find some artists god love them but They'll come up with some concept or something. and it's just like, yeah, maybe if we were MGM in 1939 and we could fly in the flying monkeys, and do it. but it's just you know. But so it's it's what's you know doable Yeah, and, and, no and real. what suits. I always thought you know what an old guy told me, an old record guy told me one time, you have to catch their eye before you can catch their ear. Yeah. So I think it has to reflect it. Which your stuff with Morgan and other artists you've worked with, it, it does. It reflects kind of like who the artist is and what the music is a little bit, you know?
1: Well, you like to take... I mean, they have a vision. Usually, like, Morgan will have a vision. This is kind of what I'm thinking and yeah. what I want. Yeah. And then they're yeah. like, can you achieve yeah. what they want? Sometimes there's no way. You The idea is just too far out there. Other times you can sort of find it, do it. Sometimes it comes out better than they thought. Sometimes they're like, yeah, they like it, whatever. But it, it, it's tricky. Because a designer wants to design a record the way he thinks it should be designed. And then you have to sort of work with it. I mean, we often talk about it. It's, yeah. it's kind of like Pink Floyd. They go into the studio. They create a masterpiece like Dark Side of the Moon. And the designer comes in with a record cover with a prism on it. And drops it on the table. And says, this is the cover. Yeah. Uh, you can, I bet you yeah. every member of Pink yeah. Floyd went... Um, uh, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: uh <laughs> yes yeah but, but then they're inseparable like like as time goes by you, it becomes one of the most iconic record covers. you look at the cover you hear the music that's yeah. when it works yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah 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 so that's that was an artist's vision yeah more so than i don't think pink floyd got together and said we don't have a prism on the cover of that's back record. when <laughs> record labels had real power and they could tell the
0: artists what to do so Which we never did it yeah
1: so it's because it's hard because when you create something new yeah It's a vision that hasn't been realized yet, so there has to be a bit of trust between the designer and the band or the musician or whatever that, you know, that might be the way to go for this. Even though I can't see it right now, I
0: kind of get it. And you can find out as you go along. But you know what? I'll I'll say this about Bruce if I might. There's certain individuals and, and certain designers. They just inherently know what looks cool. Bruce is one of those guys. He knows, like, when he shows you an image, you're like, "Wow, that looks cool." That really echoes the music or showcases the music, you know. And you can't learn that, I don't think. You either know what like looks cool or doesn't look cool.
2: As know? evidenced by many horrible, horrible yes. album covers, <laughs> which we've all seen. Yes. Yeah. With is the 99-cent sticker slapped yeah. on them. No, I mean it's just there's an intangible that you think, okay. You, most albums have a picture, and have a font. Yeah, seems simple enough. But <laughs> there's so many horrible album covers with horrible pictures. Exactly, and there's a few ways to look at it too.
1: Some are over-designed. Some are too yeah. slick. Yeah, you know, like they, less
2: is more is good. They
1: kind of look amazing, but yeah. you're like, uh, yeah, it just doesn't quite. I mean, there, I, there's artists I can't think off the top of my head right now, but. Uh, Can you you think of a
2: great album cover that you look at and think, oh, my God, that's amazing.
1: um, Well, one of the most famous record covers, and I totally agree with the graphic design of it, is Never Mind the Bullocks by the Sex Pistols. It's a crazy, weird-looking cover with very odd colors, but it's iconic. I mean, right now when I say it, I'm sure both you guys are picturing that record cover in your head because it's so memorable. When that could have been, you know, easily a graffiti punk wall, black and white, Ramones-style it's completely the other, but that was what Malcolm McLaren did. He he, I don't know if he designed that. Was he the
0: designer? That was his thing, I think. Was the Sex Pistols? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know who actually designed. Yeah, I know. I can't I'm remember. I'm not sure. I just know the cover.
1: But yeah, I think the cover is really. Cannot. Again, that would be another thing. I don't know. You plunk that down in front of Johnny yeah. Rotten. I wonder, you know, how he took it and whether he. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, there's that co- I mean, there's a million covers I love too. I should go through my own records and just look at them yeah. again, but you know the band from a graphic standpoint covers. yeah and then some of them are just the images Who's are great next,
0: that the image of that monolith or whatever it was you know yeah. it was kind of cool and you know yeah, yeah. and anything with muddy waters on the cover looks just <laughs> cool well, as hell. yeah those guys were their, <laughs> their the faces yeah. were awesome yeah, and exactly. if the cover was their big exactly. face that, yeah. that was amazing that was black and white
1: clean simple just
0: super cool you could hear the music just looking at the album you
1: yeah. Know. yeah yeah yeah
0: but it it must have been weird though, because it was the canvas you had with the vinyl LP was twelve inches by twelve inches, which is a pretty good size canvas, and then it shrinks down to like with the CD five inches by five inches, yeah. and with cassette tapes, man, it was kind of oh in yeah. A shape. If,
1: if you take it even further, it goes on to iTunes and it's yeah. a thumbnail. It's like yeah, it's one, inch thumb- one inch by one inch, so it's it's a really yeah. I mean that's something you can't really consider that as a you know a problem for you you have to design about a CD size and but then... I,
0: I think design and and the music are should be together like yeah. I, I'd hate to lose like an album even if there isn't a physical album cover just as long as it, here's the image that goes with this album you know yeah. but then so many albums aren't happening now so many especially younger artists are like here's a single here's an EP we're gonna put the songs out one at a time but you know I think that's a missed opportunity if you don't have a real cool image of the artist or the band connected with each song, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's cool too. But, you know, you got to hope that the record is going to be strong enough to maintain it, right? Because you can have a really good cover and then people listen to the record and they're like, eh. I don't know if they put a hundred percent into this. You know, it seems like I don't know. you yeah. know. I don't know with the younger guys. I don't know if it's the same because they, I, I they can just record stuff on yeah. or what you know. They, they can have... just post it and, and yeah, there it, is, it seems like it's lost some of that. You know, you go yeah. into a studio and you're paying that dollarly rate. You got to make sure yes. you know that you're putting your best out there. Whereas now, you know, you can do it in your basement. You can erase stuff and
0: well, my gallery as a kid was getting on the TTC and going down to Sam the Record Man at Young and Dundas yeah. and seeing like the wall of <laughs> yeah. albums and bands. And even though I didn't know half of them or more, yeah. just seeing the images, you'd just be like, oh man, I wonder what that sounds like or I'd like to listen to that or this looks cool or that.
1: I used to do that at Vortex. Yeah. you go down yeah. to Vortex and because it was yeah. only two or three bucks for yeah. a used record and just go, yeah. cover looks cool, two bucks, yep. I'm going to see if this is any good. Sometimes it's... I get home and it'd be terrible, it'd be yeah. awful.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of albums where the cover is the best part of the album, <laughs> but you know.
2: But I wonder if that happens at all anymore. Yeah. In in what way? What do you mean? Just going a CD store, looking at the cover, and oh, thinking, yeah. "I'm going to buy that <laughs> for $19.99. Yeah, twenty bucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know.
2: So tell me about the three albums you're releasing this year.
0: Good question. Well, the first one's already out. Uh, Thanks for tomorrow from Harrison Kennedy. Who turned eighty this year, which is which is great, and uh, goes goes way back to being a soul superstar in the '70s, and you know, definitely a, a great blues man now, and and that's had a real good response, so I'm happy about that. And Harrison's out touring this summer, doing a few cool gigs, and then we did one that's a little change of pace, which uh, uh, Bruce designed, which was which is great, Jake Chisholm called Hands Held High. Kind of a next generation guy, certainly a next generation guy compared to me. But Steve Marner's on it, and Jimmy Boskill and uh, it's, it's. I would call it rock blues, you know. Uh, not to hang any label on it, but it's, it's just, Jake's a guy who really knows his music, used to have, I remember when he was a young kid in town, Jake in the Blue Midnights, when Jump Blues had its moment in the sun, he had a great band, and then he just, he just went with the music and, and this is his latest album and I'm real happy to put it out on Electrify. That's coming out in the middle of September. How did that happen? Um, he just contacted me. I, you know, we knew each other a little bit over the years and I'd always liked his work and I'd always like, you know, thought his stuff was good and he just sent me, uh, you know, he sent me the file of the album and I had to listen and I just really liked it and I thought, well, this isn't, fit in completely with kind of the older artists or the, the the deep blues kind of thing the labels you know originally known for but I thought man this is good music and I like it and it's cool and then we were over here I think one night and Bruce listened to it you listened to it and, and you know anybody I played it for seemed to respond very positively so I thought hey let's let's do it let's roll the dice and put this out and you know I, I'm expecting it'll get a good a good response, and you know. Okay, so Bruce
2: Andrew comes to you and says, "Can you do this album cover?" I,
0: I asked him, "What what do you think of the music?"
1: You know. Yeah, no, we we listened to it in your backyard. We listened yeah, to yeah. you had some tracks with you, and we listened That's to right. it. It was pretty cool. And you said you were yeah. going to put it out, yeah and think, and yeah, yeah. and then he said, it, yeah. I, yeah. "I need to get the cover done," and I said, "Yeah, well, I'll help." Okay, so. Handed me some photos and.
2: Does he give you a title? Is that? Oh is yeah. That had a title. Is that the first thing you need?
1: The ti- I need. I need to know graphically what I have to work with. Photographs, things like that. Content is content, and you just make that work. But images is is really what I need to have or not have. If there's no images, then I got to approach it a different way. If there's images, I got to approach it a different way. If there's images. Like Jake had, you have to approach that a different way, so we had to sort of just manipulate. One
2: so beyond, before you think about the album title, like I would imagine the album title dictates everything, but for you it's the images.
1: Actually it's the music more, that's why I always like to hear the music, before. like Andrew always gives me the rough tracks before, like when I'm starting on it before it's out. Because we knew that Jake's was not going to be the traditional electrified... Right. So why have record. it look like a traditional... Yeah, uh, so we had to go sort of with a more clean, yeah. kind of different, non-traditional, bluesy, hacked up kind of a look. It had and, to be... And Jake,
0: Jake loved it. He yeah, loved so it. I it, love it. It's, yeah. It's cool.
1: It all kind of worked out. But, you know, yeah. I you have to approach that differently than, you know, when, when we did the, the one with the... Uh, Charlie Musselwhite on it there, the...
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It's a blues compilation. <laughs> my my yeah, mind is blanking. Right it's now. a blue. It's a blues compilation, and and you got a great old timey like Southern uh general store oh yeah yeah so it. it's a, yeah
1: found that image yeah. would actually fit the music perfectly. walter davis walter davis project walter davis. Yeah, yeah got yeah. billy
0: boy Arnold on it charlie muscle all the big guys see yeah. i got nervous over that one because
1: yeah. i looked at those guys and went oh man but again that's you, you right?
0: totally and it was it was older stuff as well and uh but you just you, you really captured the the yeah, vibe well, of that you know
1: case in point that record came with a lot of information so much so that we made a book that yes i don't know yeah. we, do you re-release that does the book because the book's expensive that was like a twelve-page yeah a book? it's What's still in inserted? print we,
0: you know a lot of people don't know who walter da- davis is or didn't know who walter davis but we had like charlie muscle white who loves the guy's stuff he was an artist in the 30s 40s and, and a songwriter, and played piano and uh, unique guy billy boy arnold loves the guy billy boy kind of started it and he got this uh piano player friend of his in germany to record some stuff and uh it just went from there so and, and i just thought wow this would be cool to to put out that's one it's not necessarily a bestseller but it it gives the label some credibility and it's nice just to kind of i thought man if i'm this interested about it maybe there's other people that will be that interested so so that, Bruce one, that one, that one had that.
1: me sweating because yeah. there was rules attached to that too, right? Remember, yeah, Charlie Musselwhite right. would be on it, but he insisted not to be yeah. front and center. He just yes. wanted to be one of the players. That's so fair because he, he
0: had one song on it, so he didn't want he didn't want you to know be, like Charlie Musselwhite presents. in Right, block. I, I get it. So you know? then I had to work with that. I was, yeah. okay,
1: Charlie it's just got to be part yeah. of. He this
0: was part course. of the team. There was no real. I mean, Billy Boy had the most tracks on it, but it wasn't like there was any it was a various artist one it wasn't yeah. like any one artist was the marquee guy on it or gal on it you know so that puts a whole
1: pile of different problems yeah. on the desk right you're like yeah. okay how does this work but then we I did it we figured it out it looked cool I got it to look pretty cool and then the first email I got back was from Charlie Musselwhite
0: Yeah, I thought, that was wicked how cool is yeah. that yeah. He's like yes. you loved it right away no changes and he sent a copy to Tom Waits <laughs> how cool <laughs> is that <laughs> I'm like geez, and yeah. maybe we'll even sell some who knows <laughs> yeah but no matter yeah no that was great that was that cool was,
1: I mean those are the yeah. kinds of stories yeah. that's, that's neat stuff
0: I agree that, that's the cool part of it you know so yeah
1: yeah and then all that just leads to all the other fun stuff that we ended up doing over the years <laughs> just insane just all the concerts and tours and festivals yeah. And yeah insane people cool people we've met it's just nuts
0: ton of fun ton of yeah. fun that's why we're not stopping until we have to.
2: <laughs> the third album. What's the third album?
0: Uh, the third album is uh, this one. I'm, re- I'm also really stoked about. It's the Blackburn brothers from Toronto, who I think everybody knows. I think they're Canada's best blues band. I really do, especially if you want to call it soul blues or whatever. You know, uh, the album's going to be called Soul Funkin' Blues, and uh, you know, you've got Dwayne Blackburn, you've got Corey Blackburn you know, Brooke Blackburn. They're all great writers. They've been playing since they were in the crib. Their dad was Bobby Dean Blackburn, one of the first African-Canadian guys to play rock and roll back in the 50s. Uh, Robbie Robertson remembers hearing him and how good he was and he's still playing. He was just at the Maple Blues Awards and played a very nice uh, tune with the band. And these guys have been, you know, their last one we did was... Uh, Brothers in this World and that was seven years ago believe it or not and that one that was Juno nominated so and and this record is just super cool it's going to come out very early next year probably about January late January of 2023 and uh, he said hopefully (laughs) but uh, no it'll be worth the wait believe me this is there's some kind of band those guys they're Mm -hmm. they're really unique they're uh, they're one of a kind I, I think they're Canada's best band
2: one of the truly great live bands
0: yes Oof. oh yeah yeah they're scary good live you yeah know? yeah yeah. it's a well-oiled machine you know it, it just, is yeah, it yeah. just uh and neil braithwaite on on horns and there's you know but but yeah to have the three brothers doing this band and it's great they have individual side projects but the blackburn brothers is yeah it's it and you know when I get excited about it, I think that's good. If I'm that excited, maybe someone else will, you know, pick up on that. And they're, they're great. They still, they do a lot of, they're out this summer doing a bunch of festivals and they, they tour quite a bit, you know, and they've played in the States, you know, they played down at the Pocono Festival yeah, yeah. and they've been down in Memphis and played there and, uh, you know, and, and nice guys, fun guys, cool guys, you know.
2: Before you talked about plans for the future, like you would plan ahead a yeah.
0: year or more, is that still the case, or how does that work? There's a few things, uh, you know, uh, on the back burner. Um, I'd like to do some. I'd like to do a few more reissues uh, these days as well. Uh, Sam Myers, who I was lucky enough to do an album with, Mel Brown's on it, Jack Kaisers on it, um, Jimmy Boudreaux. Uh, we cut that back in 2004, believe it or not, called "Coming from the Old School," and believe it or not, that's my number one digital seller. Is Sam Myers, and I get it. Sam Myers was great. He played with Elmore James, and he was there. Was nobody like Sam Myers, you know? And uh, so I'm going to reissue that, and, and there's a, a a bonus track that wasn't released at the time that should go on it, and I'm going to redo the liner notes and just and and unfortunately, you know, Sam passed away two years after it was done, and literally three months after we finished the sessions up in Toronto he he got ill and you know so but i know he loved he loved that album so that makes me feel good and again like if that had been delayed three four five months that album never would have happened mm-hmm. so you know anything else um well again uh james Harmon, who i was lucky to do a couple of albums with he has uh, an incredible like 100 song studio archive of of tracks and uh Nathan James, who was his guitar player for the last Dude, few years good. and is a great, insanely good talent himself. Um, I'm talking to him about the possibility because James wanted this material to come out. And I thought if I could get together with Nathan and Nathan could mix it and master it and, you know, and he'll know. I'm giving him free hand to put it together because no one knew James better than, than Nathan did. So, um, So that's something that might happen, hopefully, you know paul is another one i would like to uh do that because that's something we did like back in the year 2000 with alec fraser at liquid and uh we we put the uh, album out and it did it did very well and it was kind of when paul was coming back on the scene after a long time away fantastic singer he was the first caucasian guy in the muddy waters band and he was a great uh monica player and guitar player and piano player. What happened there, though, is Paul was kind of like a bit obsessive about, he came up to Toronto in, in like the winter, and we spent a week with Alec in his studio, and we cut some great stuff with just Paul. And that was the idea. It was just going to be, it was called Alone with the Blues. It was just him playing the blues. Um, and we cut some great, great stuff. Most of it ended up on the, on the record. But at the last minute, I think he kind of got cold feet. And he wanted to put on like three or four other tracks that he'd recorded in the past with that had a band on them and one was kind of like cut on a cassette tape and you know and, and you know they all had something going for them, but it didn't to me it they never fit with the stuff we recorded in the Toronto sessions. So what I'd love to do is and there's one or two things we recorded in Toronto that didn't come out. So what I'd like to do is swap out the four tracks that were kind of dropped in at the last minute from other sources, and just have all the album. Call it the Toronto session or something, you know, and just just have all the stuff we recorded that week. And I think there'd be way more flow to it, and it would just be—it's all in the same room, and it all has the same sound. And so that's an idea I'm kicking around. How does that work, Uh,
1: posthumously?
0: that's a good question i own the rights to it so i can i can do it and i wouldn't do it if i i think paul would would kind of like and i spoke to him you know i saw him several times after we did the record and talked to him i wish we'd you at one time i said i wish we'd use more of the stuff we cut in toronto and he's like yeah yeah that was all good stuff so he liked it so I, i i think you know He'd be cool with it. So. Oh
1: yeah, I and mean, I'm sure he'd be fine. And, with and it, it's
0: it's releasing a couple of tracks that uh, that haven't been heard, and I also think of the people that loved him and loved his music. So that's kind of sharing a few things they haven't heard before. And I just think it's it's I'm not I'm not saying I know better than the artists or trying to outthink the artist, but I'm just saying like if it was all done at one time in one room, there's kind of a cohesive feel to it but there's no estate that you have
1: to deal with to put out Um, this material yeah there is
0: and i know those folks and they're they're kind of cool with it and because actually uh they asked for one of the songs back that that like he'd uh and i said yeah i don't claim the rights to that song because paul dropped that song in like that was paul's wish to use that so i returned the rights to the i think two of the three songs that like uh so so that's cool. But then I kind of have the say on the tracks that we recorded, you know, so. yeah. So
2: re-releasing older albums, um, is it easier? Like,
0: why go that way as opposed to recording new, new stuff? Well, I'm hoping to do a, a balance of the both, but it's a little less stressful, to be honest, doing a re-release because it's obviously some album that's had a bit of success, and you think, well people might not know about it and new people might be able to hear it. And uh, so it, and it keeps it in print because the other thing is, I mean, that's where digital has a big advantage because if you put something on Spotify, it's up there forever, man. You know It'll never go out of print and you don't have to manufacture anything else. There's no shipping involved. So I get why that's an easier route. But I always think of, I put a few things out in limited editions like we did one with... Uh, Mark Hummel that was all great uh, blues from the 70s in the Bay Area, East Bay uh, Blues Vaults it's called. And we sold a thousand copies on it because it was a limited edition and it was kind of a cool... Uh, project and Bruce did that one as well. You yeah, know. That,
1: was, that had all its own yeah. challenges. <laughs>
0: yeah, that had about eight CDs worth of copy that you were able to get oh, in one Yeah, CD. the content was huge. Yeah. Because the there's 22 artists on it, there's 22 tracks on it. I and think. the photos were old. The photos were they old. They were hard but, to work but with. But people loved it, you know. Yeah, it it's turned out okay. Uh, it's a good record. Our pain is others' pleasure, like that <laughs> I think sometimes, you know. Why but yeah, a, it was a good record. Why only a thousand? Just just because um you, you know, to be realistic, I don't think it would have maybe sold more than a thousand anyways, but it's just for the collectors, and it's just like a limited edition kind of thing, and it's one way to kind of get attention to the project and and a lot of it got good press, it got some good reviews, uh, and a lot of the reviews said, "Hey, there's only a thousand of these so get this now, you know, so I think that helped a bit too, you know
2: so there's none more to be had.
0: No more to be had, and we didn't. And there's no digital release. That's the other thing. We didn't put out a digital release on it. So the only way you can hear it is to get the CD. So
2: hmm.
0: we might put out a digital release down the road a little bit, but for now, there's no way other than get the CD. So.
2: Is there anything else you want to talk about? <laughs>
0: uh-huh. <laughs> is there anything else to talk about? <laughs> Huh. There's plenty to talk about. <laughs> I think we're I think we're good. I'm good if you guys are. <laughs> but thanks. I really I really enjoyed this. You know, and I, and, I want, and, and thank you because man, we all of us go way back. But I I remember like Harbor Front, 1998. And came to see. Oh, Not kind of about 98. Yeah. It was 2000. It was it two 2000? Th- no, it was maybe 1999, man, because. I'm trying to think the, the record was out. That's why they they were playing Harborfront Front Mel mm-hmm. Snooky and uh, you know, and you had Talking Blues. And I was like, man, I know this guy. has got his own TV TV show on Bravo man. Network. Coast to coast, and it's all great <laughs> blues people. You know, so, who is this guy? No, it was it was very cool. You know, it so, was cool. Yeah, I mean, think
2: about how how
0: different the world is today. I know. I it's know. Crazy. But that was great. That happened then, and it's great. We're still kind of doing things related or following the same, you know, yeah, path. Yeah. So, wow, but you've that's... been a good
2: friend from the very beginning. I appreciate well, you likewise, doing this again. Likewise,
0: it's a pleasure. And Bruce, hanging with you guys, and we've done a few good road trips too. Yeah, damn. damn good road trips. Yeah, we were nearly killed once, but other than <laughs> that, it's been all fun. <laughs> so let me
2: tell you a story about my good friend Bruce. <laughs> oh, this will tell you what a good friend Bruce is. Yeah. Many a few years ago, I think it's like six years now. I had to put my cat down.
0: Oh, that was years. <laughs> and I know you love your cats. Yeah, man. and you this is one of my that. favorite Max. Yeah, yeah.
2: and um, I couldn't take him to the vet. I just it, I couldn't do it. And Bruce said, "I'll do it." <laughs> well,
1: you asked, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he did. Like he just and, and that day we were supposed to do an interview with Steve Miller.
1: Oh, that
2: was the day. Yeah. So, so the goal was to go see Steve Miller
1: (laughs) and Harrison that night. Remember, we were supposed to go to the the Dominion or whatever that place was on Queen that night. I don't
2: remember that. Yeah. But I remember. So we, I had gotten um, approval to get an interview with um, Steve Miller to do ten minutes, so he can talk about BB King. Same day, we have to put the cat down, and I can't do this. Bruce says, "I will do. I'll take him in," which was like the most amazing thing. I will never forget that. Yeah. And so,
0: you, knew, you knew your cat was in good hands. Yeah, 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 you know,
2: just down the block. Yeah. And then yeah. we drove down to the Steve Miller concert. We get there, and they have no record of us coming.
0: <laughs> Perfect. How the rest of your day yeah, goes. Exactly. So go, this is a good
2: day. Anyway, somehow, the road manager says. Um, you're on the list come, come on in and he, we, we go in except that they get no sound check so he says don't mention the sound check oh okay whatever yeah. you do don't yeah. mention don't, sound yes. check emphasize don't yeah. disturb the rock don't star anyway any should don't sound, sound check don't yes. think yeah.
1: sound check yeah Just, it, yeah, it, yeah.
2: <laughs> so 20 minutes later we on steve's bus yeah he's very nice i'll ask him a few questions about bb king
0: super talented he's guy.
2: great he's yeah. got great stories about bb king yeah and then i said i don't know if you have a few more minutes to talk about your career <laughs> yeah. but i would love to ask you a few questions and he says sure yeah he didn't care That's and cool. an hour wow. and a half later yeah we finished yeah. the interview which is a great interview yes. it was amazing oh
1: it was cool that was cool
2: we're leaving and they had given us tickets to the show, but this is like 6 o'clock. And he says, wait a second, let me get my camera. <laughs> so there's Bruce and I at the parking lot at, at the amphitheater. Yeah, at yeah. Budweiser stage. And there's Steve Miller taking a picture of Bruce and I. I know. And it's a great, I've seen that picture. It's a great picture. <laughs> and and then, I'm sure he framed it. There's no question. He be. says, what do you guys do for dinner? <laughs> we have no plans because the show doesn't start till 7 All we're right. at the parking lot at 6 so we go out to dinner with Steve Miller <laughs> yes. and it was once again amazing yeah it amazing oh, I, 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 I
1: was nervous at dinner but it was cool it was fun <laughs> yeah. oh you're sitting there with
0: Steve Miller come on man yeah.
2: <laughs> but it was just like what would have been a horrible yes. day and it was yeah, it a was a
0: horrible day. day but but nice ending you know, to I'm, the day it was uh, yeah, really around. nice ending yeah, the had these people friend. give
1: us all-access passes and two seats for the show because yeah. we weren't even going to stay for that. Yeah, so we got two great seats and we watched and it.
2: dinner. So
0: yeah. Now I heard you scalp those seats. Took <laughs> them. That's, <laughs> that's just an ugly <laughs> rumor. Okay. Anyway,
2: that's the type of person Bruce is, and yeah, that's why he's yes. such a great man. No, he's so. a
0: stand-up guy. Oh gosh, idiots. <laughs> so anytime you have yeah. to put your cat down, give Bruce a call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm
2: heartless. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Marco. Thanks,
0: Marco. It was great, man.